Psalm 18 verse 30 also refers to it as the word of the Lord. It says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. So the Bible is referred to a lot of different titles. It is also referred to as the parchments in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13. As Paul is telling Timothy, hey, bring my coat. He said, bring my cloak because it's cold. He said, bring, bring the books. He said, I want to study. I want to grow in my learning and knowledge. But then he said, but especially the parchments, which was a reference to the word of God. He said, if you have to leave my coat, that's okay. If you have to leave my books, that's okay. But please bring the parchments. Please bring the scriptures. I need the word of God in my life. Uh, it's also referred to as the faithful word. Titus 1 and verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. It's referred to as the word of truth. As 2 Timothy 2 and 15, remember, study to show thyself, approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's called the law of the Lord in Psalm 19. In Psalm 19, it's referred to also as the testimony of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the judgments of the Lord. But it's also called the word of life. And that's one of my favorite titles of the Bible, the word of life. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, here the apostle John says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, of the word of life. Philippians 2.16, Paul says, Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. In 1874, Philip Bliss once wrote the words that we sang just a few moments ago. Wonderful words of life. Uh, the first verse says again, Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see. Wonderful words of life, words of life and beauty, teach me faith and duty, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. You know, a traveler I was reading about was preparing for a long trip. A friend asked if he was all packed and ready to go, and he said, yep, just about. I've got my guidebook, a lamp, a mirror, a microscope, a volume of fine poetry, a package of old letters, a songbook, a sword. A hammer and a set of books. But the friend said, well, you can't get all of that in one suitcase. Sure I can, replied the traveler. It doesn't take much room at all. And he placed his Bible in the suitcase and closed the lid. You see, the Bible is all of that and more. Paul gives Timothy five important truths here in our text uh, about the word of life that I'd like to look at this morning with you and, and encourage us regarding our relationship with the word of life. First of all, we see here, number one, the practice of the word of life. The practice of the word of life. In verse number 14, he says this. Paul encourages Timothy, young Timothy, as a, as a pastor uh, trying to lead his congregation. He said, look, I want you to continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. In other words, you know these things, but I don't want it just to be head knowledge. It needs to be acted out and lived out into your life. And God's word is not meant just to make us smarter. It's made to make us live a different life. 
You know, Mark Twain once wrote these words. Most people are bothered by those passages of Scripture they do not understand. He said, but the passages that bother me most are those that I do understand. Um, And there's a lot of parts of the Bible that I struggle to understand, even as a Bible college graduate, even as someone who just got ordained not even six months ago. Um, I still struggle to know some things about the Bible, but the things that bother me the most, the things like Paul or Mark Twain said, uh, the things that I do understand and maybe you're not living quite the way I should. You see, my issue in the Christian life is not usually a lack of knowledge, though I'm not the smartest and I need to grow in that area. But my issue in the Christian life is usually a lack of obedience. The things that I do know that I'm not living out. And I dare say that's probably the case for most Christians as well. James 1.22, a familiar passage of scripture, but ye be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If any be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. He beholdeth himself, goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Joshua 1 and verse number 7, the only time the word success uh, is found in the Bible is in relation to whether we're living the word of God or not. Only be thou strong and very courageous, God tells Joshua, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou mayest again observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt have uh, prosperity. Thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. A uh, TV camera crew I was reading about was on assignment in South or Southern Florida filming the widespread destruction of Hurricane Andrew way back in 1992. In one scene, amid the devastation and debris, stood one house on its foundation. It was like this one house standing, and all the rest of them were, were all destroyed. And the owner was cleaning up the yard when the reporter approached. Sir, I, I need to ask this question. Why is your house the only one standing? How, how did you, I mean, how did you manage to escape the severe damage of the hurricane? Well, the man replied, I built the house myself. And I also built it according to Florida State Building Code. When the code called for two-by-six trusses, I used two-by-six trusses. I was told that a house built according to the code could withstand a hurricane. I did, and it did. You see, when you and I do indeed follow the word of God, we will be surprised at what kind of blessings come into our life and protection comes into our life. It reminds me exactly of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, because he lived in Oklahoma, and beat upon that house. 
and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. See, the difference of these two people, the wise man and the foolish man, a lot of times we think about this in churches like, well, I'm the wise man because I'm in church and I'm hearing the word of God. And the foolish man is the one who's outside the church. He doesn't know what the word of God says. No, actually, what Jesus is saying is there's two people inside this room. Both are hearing the word of God. Both know what the word of God says. The difference is one does it and the other doesn't. So which one are you? Are you one who knows what the Bible says, but chooses to not obey it, chooses to not practice it? If that's the case, the Bible calls you a fool. But if you're one who hears the word of God, knows what the word of God says, and says, I'm going to follow it, I'm going to obey it, then you are a wise man. D.L. Moody said, the scriptures were not given for our information, but our transformation. It's not just to make you more head smart. It's to make you more life wise. So we see here, Paul is encouraging Timothy to continue thou on the things, to not just know what it says, but to continue in them. And so we're encouraged to practice the word of life. But I want us to see secondly this morning, the power of the word of life. The power of the word of life, verse 15. Paul says, and that from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures. And then the next phrase says, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Do you see the power of the scriptures? That it's able to make us wise unto salvation. It's able to make us to understand that we have a need for a savior and it it's helped us to make us wise to know that there is a savior who died on the cross for us, rose again the third day and gives us the way to salvation. See, the Bible is powerful and it is a powerful book that is alive. Romans ten seventeen. so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Not by even what some preacher says or Pastor Johnson over at Cornerstone Baptist Church says. It's hearing by the word of God. Galatians 3.24, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. So the law, the word of God acts as a schoolmaster, a teacher to say, Hey, you need to be saved. You need Jesus Christ. That's the power of the word of God. Another story here. Uh, the preacher stood on the, on the street corner preaching to anyone who would listen. He was doing some street preaching. So a man approached him who looked like he had lived on the street for a long time. Can I, can I help you? Asked the preacher. I think you can, said the homeless man. Would you like, would you like me to tell you about Jesus? No. Would you like me to pray for you? No. Well, if you don't want me to tell you about Jesus and you don't want me to pray with you, how, how can I help you? 
You can give me your Bible. Well, that's a strange request. Why would you want my Bible if you have no interest in knowing more about Jesus? Well, I notice that the pages of your Bible are very thin. And I, I can use those pages to wrap a cigarette. Well, wisdom came suddenly to the preacher who said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the Bible if you agreed to read a page of the Bible before you smoke it. Well, the bum agreed, took his new Bible and left. The preacher thought he had seen the last of this man and he could just get another Bible. Well, several months passed and the preacher was on the street corner once again. Man came up to him dressed in a three-piece suit. You don't know me, do you? Said the man. No, I've never seen you in my life. Well, yes, you have. I, you see, I'm the man you gave a Bible to about four months ago. The preacher couldn't believe his eyes and ears. And he said, I've got to know what happened. Tell me. I've got to know. Well, I smoked Matthew. Then I smoked Mark. And then I smoked Luke. And then John smoked me. See, the word of God is able to make us wise into salvation. And as this man began to read through the Gospels, the word of God was working on his heart and bringing him to a realization that he needed Jesus Christ. So it is able to make us wise into salvation. It is also powerful enough that it can break hearts of stone. The Bible says in Jeremiah 23, verse 29, Is not my word like as a fire? Saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. God's word can break the hardest heart in this world. Jacob Koshi grew up in Singapore and with one driving ambition to become a success in life, to gain all the money and possessions he could. Unfortunately, that led him into the world of drugs and gambling, and eventually he became the lord of an international smuggling network in 1980 he was arrested and placed in a government drug rehab prison in singapore he was frustrated beyond endurance all his goals purposes dreams and ambitions were locked up with him in a tiny cell and his heart was full of a cold emptiness he also was a smoker <laughs> a couple's smoking stories right in a row He also was a smoker and cigarettes weren't allowed in the center. Instead, he smuggled in tobacco and rolled it in the pages of the Gideon Bible. Evidently, that's what these pages are good for, I guess. I've never even thought about that. One day, he fell asleep while smoking, though, and he awoke to find that the cigarette had burned out and all that remained was a scrap of charred paper. He unrolled it and read what was written. Saul, Saul, why persecute me? Jacob asked for another Bible and read the entire story of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus from Acts chapter number 9. He suddenly realized that if God could help someone like Saul, God could help him too. And there in the cell, he knelt and prayed, asking Christ to come into his life and to change him. He began crying and couldn't stop the tears of a wasted life washed away his pain, and God redeemed him gloriously there in that prison cell. He eventually started sharing his story with the other prisoners, and as soon as he was released, he became involved in a church. 
He met a Christian woman, married her, and is now a missionary in the Far East where he tells people far and wide, who would have believed that I could find the truth by smoking the word of God? See, the word of God can break a stony heart like his. I realize that maybe I'm speaking to some who have extended family members, who have maybe a hard heart. If you can get them under the sound of the word of God, there is great power in hearing the Bible in their life. It can break hearts like it can break a rock in pieces. So it's able to make us wise into salvation. It acts as a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. It's also a mirror. A mirror. James 1, we've already mentioned it already. But it acts as a mirror that shows us who we really are. You know, this morning when you looked in the mirror, I know I did. I looked in the mirror and my hair, I had a bad hair day this morning. So I had to do some serious work. Took me several seconds to get my hair looking this good. <laughs> but when you look in the mirror, you see things that need to be changed in the morning. Hopefully. Hopefully you do something about it. And God's word acts as a mirror in our life. When we take the time to look at it, it shows us, whoa, there's some areas in which I need to work on. Oh boy, I'm not as good in that area as I thought I was because look at the standard I have this acts as a mirror in my life to show me who I really am and what I do with it what do I do with that truth and I've already mentioned those who decide to do something about it and change what needs to be changed the Bible says gives us this promise that we will be blessed in our deed so it acts as a mirror it also can discern my thoughts. Hebrews 4 and verse 12, we've already read this verse again. For the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It, it knows what I'm thinking. It's pretty amazing. Oftentimes, as I was uh, as I prepare messages and I'm just reading on my own, a lot of times those, those thoughts that I'm having towards the message will come to light in the Bible reading that I'm having on my own. It's, it's amazing how the Lord will work that out because the book is alive. It's powerful and it can change lives. The story is told of a South Sea Islander who proudly displayed his Bible to a, to a GI during World War II. He'd received it as a present from a missionary sometime before. Soldier said, oh, we've outgrown that sort of thing. The native smiled back and said, well, it's a good thing we haven't. Because if it weren't for this book, you would be our evening meal. <laughs> aren't you glad that the Bible has changed lives? Aren't you glad that the Bible has changed your life? It's scary to think what kind of monster I would be had the word of God not changed me. Where I would be, what kind of prison cell I would be in, what kind of shape my family would be in without the Bible. Oh, I'm so glad for the word of God. So we see the practice of the word of life, the power of the word of life. Thirdly, the purity of 
of the word of life, 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 15 again, and that from the child thou hast known the holy scriptures. They are holy scriptures. In verse number 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. If you look on the cover of your Bible, this isn't necessarily inspired, but uh, it probably said, well, mine's kind of faded off, but at one point it said, Holy Bible. Because it is a pure book. Second Peter one twenty one. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. But here it is. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You see God was inspiring every word of this, of this book that you hold in your lap. Every word of God is pure. Psalm 12 says this. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Psalm 19 and verse 8. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. See, there is great purity in the word of life. If there was impurity, well then, I can't trust it. But it is pure from cover to cover. And I would even say the cover is pure too when it says Holy Bible. Uh, But Proverbs 30 and verse 5, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. And the psalmist also said, Thy word is very pure. Therefore, thy servant loveth it. You know, the purity of the word of life is the cure for the impurity of my mind and heart. Because I'll be honest, as we walk through this filthy world we're going to be defiled my heart my mind is going to be defiled there's there's no way around it i mean i suppose i could go up in the mountain and and uh and be shut out from the world but my heart is still desperately wicked and deceitful above all things and so even if we were to take away any influences in my life my own heart will be a negative influence in my life so what is the cure for that? What is, what, is, what, what is my hope there? Well, the purity of the word of life is the cure for the impurity of my mind and heart. Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Well, here's how we can get our heart cleaned. Saint John uh, 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We are cleansed by getting in the truth. The word of God acts as a a detergent in my life. Just as you uh, use detergent to uh, clean your clothes. Well, I hope you do. Um, I do. Well, my wife does. And I'm thankful that she does. That detergent cleans out the dirt that has been picked up as we've gone through uh, the day and, and, and through the world. Well, the Word of God acts as a cleansing agent, a detergent in my life to cleanse my heart. John 15, verse 3 says the same thing. Now ye are clean through the Word which I have spoken unto you, Jesus says. Paul told the husbands that ye might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. It's important for us to be in the Word of God because it is a pure it, 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 it's the purity that we need in our life to cleanse us from that, uh, that impurity that we carry with us. 
And I've used this example before, but I've got four eyes. And I'm thankful for my other second pair of eyes, these guys. Because now I just see a blur out there. No, I see, I see who you are. But I see a whole bunch better when I have these glasses. But I see even better when they're clean. And you know, uh, I can wear these glasses for a couple days and like be careful not to touch them, be careful not to get anything on them, but what happens? They still get dirty. They have to be cleansed on a regular basis. That's why it's important for us to be in the Word of God every day. To have that daily cleansing. Now definitely, uh, not to confuse this with 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Having a time with God where you're confessing our sin, that's, that's important, that's part of the Christian life as well, but, but so is being in the Word of God and having that, that time where we're bathing ourselves with the truth of His Word. So we see the purity. Uh, number four, these last couple thoughts are a little quicker, so we'll, we'll move quickly through these. Number four, the profit of the Word of life. There is great profit, great benefit to the Word of God in our life. 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 16 all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Profitable. Uh, when we think of profit, we think financial profit, you know. Um, but here's what the psalmist had to say about the profit of the scriptures. Uh, Psalm 119 and verse number 72 uh, says, The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold. And silver. Now, if you had a thousand cougarans, which are one ounce of fine gold, that's quite a bit of money. Uh, but the psalmist said, Your word, Lord, is better unto me than all that money combined. Now, I, I get that we need money to survive, and I, the importance of money is, is real. I get that. But do we esteem his word more important than all of that? You know, as long as I've got my, my Bible, that's, that's all I need. Now, I, I realize we need to eat, we need clothing, we need shelter, all of that. I understand. But the value system in our minds and in our hearts, is the word of God that important? It is profitable. And so the psalmist said, that's why I value it more than gold and silver. Uh, verse 103 says, How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Well, I, I for one, am a candy guy. I like to eat candy. I like sweet things. I've got a sweet tooth. In fact, I have quite a few sweet teeth. But more sweeter than candy is... The word of God is to my heart. 127, uh, verse 127 of Psalm 119. By the way, just a little side note. Uh, Psalm 119, longest chapter of the whole Bible. Um, 176 verses. All but, I believe, two verses mention the word of God. So 174 verses all about the word of God. All about the importance of it in our life. All about the value of it. All about what it can do in our life. If you're struggling, um, I would just encourage you one day to go through 
that whole chapter, read it from start to finish. It takes a minute or two to go through it, but it'll encourage you regarding the Word of God and the importance of it. But verse 127 says, Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. And do you love God's Word above gold? Hey, it's profitable. We ought to value it. We've got to cherish it. Job said this before he really had a copy of the Bible, before he had, you know, the Bible app on his phone. Here's what Job said. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. In college, I was challenged with this thought. No Bible, no breakfast. If you don't have time for the Bible, then you really don't have time to eat breakfast. That was a challenging thought to me. I can't say that I've always done that, but that's a good uh, thing for us to remember. A good uh, encouragement for us to spend time in the Word of God before we put food in our mouth. And remember what Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. Remember he said, "We man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Well, let's remember that as we uh, plan our day, making sure that we have time for the Word of God, making sure that we have time for what's really profitable in our life. Well, what's it profitable for? Well, Paul here tells us what it's profitable for. It's profitable for doctrine, which tells us what is correct, what is right. Uh, it's profitable for reproof, which tells us what is not right. By the way, we need to be... Uh, being reproved once in a while. Not not always fun to be reproved. I don't think any one of us goes, oh, please reprove me today. But but as believers, we once in a while need to be corrected. And the Word of God acts as a correcting agent in our life. It tells us what's true. It tells us what's wrong. It's also good for correction. How to get on the right path. How to get back to truth. How to get right with God. And then instruction is how to stay right, how to stay in a right relationship with the Lord and with others. So the Word of God is profitable in our life, and we ought to cherish it and value it. And last thought here, number five, the purpose of the Word of God or the Word of life. The purpose of the Word of life found in verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Perfect doesn't mean that he's never going to sin. It just means mature, complete. Um, it means uh, instructions for my life, all the resource I need. And it's for good works so that I can be furnished uh, unto good works and to be lived out. <clears throat> I'll close with this, uh, this, this thought here. Somebody wrote this, and I think that this is an excellent description of the Bible. They wrote this book. The Bible, the word of life, is the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. 
Here paradise is restored. Here heaven is opened and the gates of hell are disclosed. Christ is its grand subject. Our good, its design, and the glory of God, its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly. Read it frequently and prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. Follow its precepts, and it will lead you to Calvary, to the empty tomb, to a resurrected life in Christ. Yes, to glory itself for eternity. The word of life. I would encourage us all this morning to go home and to love the word of life. To look at the word of life. To spend time looking at it. To go home and learn the word of life. Study to show thyself approved unto God. And most of all, to live the word of life. It's not enough to know it. And to know everything about it, we must live it. And I encourage us to do so. The word of life, what a great gift that God gave us. His love letter to us. I'll never forget when my wife and I were dating and engaged to be married. This is the days before texting. I know we're old. This is the, the before Facebook messaging and WhatsApp and Instagram and all of those days. These are the days when it cost a lot of money to use a cell phone, so we had to wait and talk once a week. We would once in a while do something pretty novel, kind of outrageous. We would write each other letters. (laughs) Young people will have to explain what that is afterwards. (laughs) But getting those letters in the mail and seeing my wife's handwriting, reading those letters was just so precious. It made me long to be with her. And I would read those letters, read them from start to finish, and then read it again and again and again, trying to figure out all the nuances, what she was meaning. Kind of creepy, I know. (laughs) But I loved her, and, and, and her letter made me love her more. Do you get the parallel? God has written you a love letter. Read it. Read it over again. Find out what he's saying and let it cause you to fall in love with him more. And he does indeed love you. And let's love him back by spending time looking at his love letter to us.